Women Flip the Script is different because women are actually making the recording themselves. So rather than somebody speaking on behalf of women, this time we've asked people to go out and record their own interviews, their own personal stories, their own clips of music, and now we've put it together so that women can speak for themselves. I know somebody will learn from my story. It's mad, I'm telling you. Any woman that finds herself in that situation, yeah. like, it is for you to flip it and use it to your advantage. I think it's really exciting to be using a podcast as audio connection so that women across the UK can literally speak to each other. Like, it's not just relying on written text. Now you can just plug in as you're going around your daily business and actually feel like you're connected with other women across the country. No, you say it. No, I say it. Okay. No, you don't. Okay, you don't. okay. Women flip the script. Ooh. Women flip the script. Women flip the script. Welcome to episode four. This time we're talking about different services and navigating them, including both positive experiences and some of the difficulties. Like all of our episodes, you can refer to our transcript handout for more information on the services mentioned. Women flip the script. Hi, I'm Donna Walton and this is my Kersler story. It was my probation officer who told me about Kersler while we were doing the paperwork at my first appointment. I mentioned that I wrote poetry and she promised to dig out all the info for the following week, which she duly did. With her help, I applied for a mentor through their mentoring scheme and was really pleased when I received a letter several weeks later to say that I'd been accepted. However, it went on to explain that mentors were usually reserved for people who were being newly released from prison and that was something I completely understood. They also included five entry forms for the 2018 Kersler Awards and had encouraged me to enter. Now, writing to a deadline was completely new to me, and for a while I just dried up. But as I was beginning to despair, the floodgates seemed to open, and I penned three in one night and two more the following day. The first, the commuter, and the last, bad timing, both won awards, and I was absolutely gobsmacked. I was still buzzing when another letter came to say that bad timing was going on display at the Supreme Court London as part of the 100 Years On exhibition. I couldn't believe things could get any better, but I was so wrong. Both winners were part of Kersler's regional exhibition at the Turner Contemporary Gallery in Margate, Kent, and Bad Timing was published in their second poetry anthology. You should have a copy in your library, and it's on page 64, hint, hint. Through being mentored, I learned how to adapt and change, and I developed a newfound love of wordplay. The beauty of poetry is that you can bend words to fit, and it's absolutely okay. My confidence in my ability began to grow and after performing at the South Bank as part of the 2018 Voices from Prison event, I found that I absolutely loved being on the stage. My mentor encouraged me to perform at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden twice and the second time I felt really honoured when he also stood up and recited a poem of his own. I was also lucky enough to be asked to perform again at the 2019 Voices from Prison event I've been invited to attend several different discussion forums with Kersler and have always felt that my opinion is valued and I'm a worthwhile participant. But the icing on the cake for me was being given the opportunity to be one of the ex-offender hosts at the 2019 exhibition Another Me, held at London's South Bank Centre. 
I learnt so much about art and how people's perceptions differ. I learnt just how much blood, sweat and tears the Kersler team put in behind the scenes and I discovered the huge amount of support Kersler get from their benefactors and associates. I can honestly say that I have loved every single second of my time working there and I didn't want it to end. I know that without the continued support and encouragement from the Kersler family, my life would never have changed so dramatically. They restored my faith in people, but more importantly, they restored my faith in myself. The prison sentence was not the hardest part. It was the coming out of prison yes. that has been the hardest part. Yeah. The prison sentence is can be quite... Yeah. How can I... It can be, like, debilitating in the sense that where they take your independence away and make you be so reliant on others yeah. for certain things, yeah? And then you do get into that... Um, yeah. How do you... Like, that... that uh, mindset. That mindset of, you know, going to someone for this mm-hmm. or going to someone mm-hmm. to that. When you're then brought back out, and I say this as well, because I, I, I went through the open you know, to the open facilities and was able to do rottles and things like that. But still, that did put me in a good place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even though I was in prison. And the thing is, not every woman is able to access the um, open facilities. There's only two in the whole of England. Mm. And that means there's literally, I think there's only something like less than 300 open facility places in the whole of England for women. Do you know what I mean? So if you ain't lucky enough to go through that, most people spend all of their prison sentence in a closed facility. So the whole reintegration back into the community, back into, like, housing, back in... that They don't even get that chance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So how have you lot found out about services or been able to access services? Any of that I have heard about, it has been from people using them and it just, like, coming around in kind of conversation. And I'll be like, yeah. oh, what? Or literally going online mm. and looking up... Literally, like yeah. googling support and services mm. for well, for me, because I saw probation as a service that didn't help. My trust in the services was like whatever, yeah. like I used that as a motivation to just look for myself. Do you understand? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. where I am today is because of what I did for myself, yeah. As you said, that I've accessed is because I found it out myself, yeah. so even if. I wanted my probation to help me with something. Yeah. And I researched it myself to find out what charity would help me do it yeah. myself to yeah. tell her to go forward and do yeah. it. Number one, a lot of these things, these services that are provided for people that are in prison, out of prison, and the families of mm. people, I think the services don't really have much uh, education on what they can provide for yeah. the people. And it's like, it's just people they've hired to do a job to tick yeah, a box. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a service that's not one that I've had anyway that I could say is a service that is going to do anything that I probably couldn't yeah. do myself if I use my own initiative and yeah. wits about me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want, and I still don't want, financial handouts from them. Mm. But advice and guidance in accessing such mm. things, I w- was under the impression that it would be probation as their in place to assist my uh, license. But what I will say is uh, my probation's been very good on emotional support. Mm-hmm. The probation officer I had was very understanding. Like, mm-hmm. the meetings that I would have of when I would see her was 
like they were always positive mm. meetups. I would always be glad like oh we had that chat. Mm. I could be very transparent with her about like how I'd be feeling and mm. just she'd appreciate the fact that I'd be so open mm. and whatnot with her. But for me where the issue has come is when they then changed my probation yeah. and she's been reassigned to somewhere else and they've put someone else yeah. in place for me and I get that change happens in it and if prison teaches you one thing is to grasp change ha- yeah. happening at a like big speed do you know what I mean at, yeah. at a quick speed because as we know one day you're there and this one group of people and boom someone could get shipped out or yeah. whatever and that dynamics yeah. has changed again yeah, and whatever yeah. else and you kind of have to adapt to that so yeah. adapting's got the issue the problem is when this person's now took over your caseload and they haven't updated themselves with you. So then you're having to come and basically explain something that you've explained twice or however many times before that is supposed to be well documented. Do you understand? So it's like, that can be very frustrating and and I'm getting called by this person. I don't know who this is. And Mm. they're like basically kind of demanding me to be somewhere Mm. at a certain time. I work full time mm. and I'm a single parent. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I have had probably about four probation yeah. people, and it's not by their choice. It's mm. by the system. You haven't even like introduced yourself. Mm. She's like, oh well, I'm sorry. I've just been handed this case. Did it? Okay, that's fine. But as an individual, I'm not a case. Yeah. Do you understand? So the questions that are even being asked, I don't even feel comfortable having this conversation over the phone. Yeah, exactly. We're not speaking about just you know oh, what did you have for dinner or lunch? The service is not the kind of service that actually is inclusive of women. Yeah. Because most women have children. And in England, as we know, and in Wales, yeah, a lot of women are single mums. So when I've got to go and do something, I've got to think about where my child is going to be and how that is going to impact her time and whatever else. I think for women and families of the women and the children Mm. and things like that, I think there's not Mm. enough in the system, not enough services in the system mm. that support. I definitely me. feel like there's the... Because there are good services out there, yeah. but they 100% needs to be services that are filtered out, mate. Like, you see how um, supermarkets have mystery shoppers? Maybe they should have a mystery shopper, like, yeah. like that to see yeah. which ones are actually real, yeah. because I'm not going to lie, I was introduced to one, and they just had me wasting money on the outside, wasting money that I didn't have. And then I'm getting to those, going to those places, and they're saying they've never heard of the company I'm talking about. They don't know about this interview that I'm meant to have. Like, what? I think most of the services that I've ever tried to use are probably from what I met, I found myself. On that flip side, like with all those things that happened that were bad, hmm. what were the positive actions you took or that you was given or assisted with they found me of course even though it was a course full of men I was the only female but <laughs> yeah. I was just like you know Girl what color. I don't mind I just came from a house full of women yeah. do you know oh, what yeah. I mean it's I do not mind seeing women <laughs> with all these men for a moment <laughs> but yeah so I got the qualification and I now am a gas engineer mm-hmm. and <laughs> I'm Fitting doing my thing. Boilers. Yeah, I'm doing my thing. I'm installing <laughs> boilers and stuff. Working for a good company. I literally have taken advantage of every single thing that I could possibly do yeah. and take from that system that, yeah. that I thought was going to eat away at me. I yeah. actually come out with it with, what, 21 qualifications mm-hmm. going to uni. I think that was the major positive thing for me. And that's, yeah, that's a piece of advice I would give. Services, take everything. System, the system, yeah. anything. 
Because whilst you're in there, most definitely take everything because it, yeah. I think it's maybe a lot harder to access these uh, services on the outside. Yeah. Where when you're inside, everyone's in like a contained environment. Women flip the script. Up next is one woman's personal account of being released and the journey to reuniting with her children. Like all of our episodes, you can pick up our booklet to read along whilst listening. I'm happy to share my story because I know somebody will learn from my story. I went through a lot. It came when I came out, not be able to reunite immediately with my boys. They wanted to be with mom immediately. And when my son wanted to, had suicide thoughts, that's when they got, I got the house. You wouldn't believe it's so few weeks ago. So it, it's going to take my son to die before they go, you know, reunite us together. I, can't, I don't want to be with daddy anymore. I want to be with my mom. And you people are not giving my mom accommodation. She's in the hostel. We can't stay with her in the hostel. So, so much for this poor boy. He's just 15. And he started having such a thought. But luckily for me, he spoke to somebody that he confided in church. And that person quickly called attention and said, I know we, we need to report this. That it's not, it's not good. So we reported in, in the hospital. And that's how they took it up. That's how they now got the place yeah. for me to have the boys. What I've tried to do is just try to go back to school. Said I should go to work immediately. They're going to stigmatize you. It's that natural. Oh, she's back from prison. And I don't want that stigma. The, um, the stereotype thing about, oh, she went to prison. So I said, okay, let me go back to school and do a course. Yeah. That be actually that course I wanted to do it a long time before I went to prison. Anyway. So I said, okay, let me. So just I've tried to do a lot for myself, and it wasn't easy for me because I was having this accommodation problem. My kids are sitting with my ex that has been maltreating them, and my children are not happy. And the also I was giving, I was put in. They're not allowed. Children are not allowed to stay there. It's been a lot. Um, few friends have offered me weekends to bring my boys over so I can, but they can't do it all the time because they have their life too. I feel rejected. I feel judged. When I came out, it wasn't what I was expecting. The support wasn't there that much, you know, apart from best and and um, that was it. Yeah. So I'm the kind of person that when I fall down, I don't look back. I look forward. But I couldn't follow up. Due to when I came out, all the problems I was going through, yeah, accommodation, my children, my boys having problems in the house with their dad, crying every day, they're hungry, no food, yeah, I can't, they can't stay where I am in the hostel. Not all the time my friends can allow me to come to their house on weekend. I don't want to actually, you know, be a pest to them as well. I was putting them as well, it's their life, it's their home, they've got children as well. So, so there's a lot going on, so I couldn't follow up. You know, but you know, because I just came out, I've never been away from my kids. I was away for one year. I want to bond with them immediately because I'm thinking, and because they lacked a lot when I left for one year. Oh my God, it has really changed their life in a lot of things. It affected them in school. It affected them in many things, even in manners. I, I train my kids. For that one year, they've lacked a lot. They were doing anything they like. My children started eating junk food. Because nobody to cook for them. I love cooking. They'd eat fresh food every time. That's me. I cook. I love cooking. But when I went to prison, nobody to cook for them. And that even when I came out now that we are together now, I'm trying to wind that away from them because they're used to it now. So we affected them academically. 
the little one is picking up now mommy's back but the teenager one and he's gonna do his GCSC his mock wasn't good and I told him you know I'm gonna judge you for that don't worry because I know what you went through but we just have to work hard towards the sixth form thing so that you can have a better grade to go to uni so do you know what kills me most when I was in every night I have to pray and fast because then every day I put on the TV it just tapped a black boy my boys are black, black boys and one of them is just that age range. So when I now left to prison, oh my God, I was scared that what's going to happen, especially the 15-year-old one, I was scared. I pray every day. I cry that what is really, and then I put on the TV in prison, they stabbed the boy. They stabbed the, oh my God, what is all this? So the same guide officer in their school has been so supportive. To the extent when I was in prison, she's an angel. People that helped me to sort things out in prison were from bats. They did a lot for me. My my probation officer that I got when I came out of prison, she was lovely, supportive. I I never accepted the, the medication. So all the medication that I was offered, both in prison and when I came out, I told them, do you know what? I don't want to be on medication. I know it's just what I'm going through at the moment. If I can see just a bit of support, I'll be fine. My probation officer... She really tried giving me um, like a um, scale of preference. And uh, okay, let's start with this. We're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to get to that. But we have to start from here. Yeah, she tried. She told me, I mean, my probation officer told me that I can see you, you're going to get there. But it's going to be process, you know, the stages and everything. Worry about that she understands I'm human. Somebody told me to come to the best center so they can get me a lawyer. Because I had trial for one year before I was sentenced. So because, you know, everything was new to me. I didn't know what to do. So one of, one of my friends said, um, go to Best Center in your area. And when I got here, um, invite some people to have uh, therapy with me. Come to Chila sometimes for um, massage. Yeah, give me transport um, to, see, yeah, to go back. You know, that's what's been carrying me, giving me that strength. Patience as well is very important. I just don't want to be like, this is my old self. I want a, a new beginning to keep going. And my lovely, she's got now, probation officer that left last month. Wow, I don't know what happened to me. They've been so supportive. When somebody hear my story and the way I handled and what I went through and how I handled it, I'm, I'm still on my feet now. Oh my God. Even my probation officer said, like, do you know what? You don't even look like someone that went to prison. I paid for it. I didn't handle it well, but it can happen to anybody. For women who are about to be released or recently released, thinking about what support they want to build up and what support they want to rely on during their early early weeks outside of prison, um, I think something I would strongly advocate is considering a women's service rather than a ex-offending service that's somewhat more generic. And as much as these services can, can do really fantastic work. I think what we've really found um, at the Hub and with the Specialist Outreach Project is it's having that women-centred, gendered approach that makes all the difference in understanding where these people are coming from and where the women that we work with are coming from. Now, of course, um, we're in a, in a London borough and I understand that services outside of London or outside of um, larger cities are perhaps uh, not, not, as, uh, not as diverse. Um, but I think certainly considering local women's services, 
it is always going to be a, a better route, I think, for women coming out of prison. Um, because the women's prison population is so so much smaller than the men's, it just tends to be um, tends to be much more male dominated, and I don't think women get a lot out of that. So certainly, looking at those resources, and for women who perhaps um, aren't able to access a local service, looking at national helplines and national support services that they might be able to make use of. So, for example. Um, services like Women in Prison or the Advanced Minerva Project or the Southwark Women's Hub. Um, some of these are borough-specific, some of them are London-specific, of course, um, but I think that's that's always the starting point um, for accessing a service that's going to better meet the needs of women coming out of prison. I think as well, like, any woman that's in prison or about to be released or has been released, your first port of call is your probation officer, and I know that might be quite weird to hear because you see them as this person that might recall you or whatever but actually they can refer you to services that are in your borough somebody who can support you and come to appointments with you and be there for you in a way that your probation officer wishes they could be but maybe doesn't have time for the other thing is don't don't get fed up with knocking on doors and and asking for support don't stop reaching out because you need to believe that you deserve that support to change your life you deserve it you can do it like you deserve a fresh start and you're entitled to it. For information, advice and support, visit prisonadvice.org.uk. Next time on Women Flip the Script. I wish I knew I'd get this far. This podcast was made possible by Advanced Women in Prison and Pact. It was produced by Van de Canton. A huge thank you to all the brilliant women who contributed their stories, poems, music and words of wisdom. Don't forget to pick up your transcripts where you'll find written versions of each episode and information on some of the services mentioned and others that might be helpful. What, 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 what women? women. women.